Welcome to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. If you can please open up with me, we're going through the Bible and we're picking up in 2 Peter, the epistle of Peter, 2 Peter chapter 1, we're picking up in verse 16. Title of our message is The Reliable Word. The Reliable Word. I heard a story about Charles Spurgeon when he was 22 years old, and he was the great preacher of the 1800s. And he was asked to speak at an event, so he, he you know, confirmed it that he would speak at this place called the, the Cathedral Palace, I believe it was called. And so he wanted to make sure his voice would... Uh, be able to carry, because back then they didn't have microphones. So he went early to this place, and this place holds 20,000 people. That's a, so it's, it was a huge venue for him. And so at 22 years old, he stood up at the, the pulpit, and he kept you know, calling out, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And he just kept repeating that. Well, he didn't know that there was a worker in the building And the worker in the building didn't know where that voice was coming from. He thought maybe it was from God himself. (laughs) True story. And that worker in the building, right then and there, prayed to receive Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. And we're reminded of the power of God, that God's word is powerful. The power of God's word. And it's it's so powerful, but also, as we're going to look at in our text here, not only is the word of God powerful, but it's very reliable. We can rely on the word of God. I hope you understand that, that you can rely on this word. So with that being said, why don't we stand one more time, and I'm just going to go ahead and read these verses. So 2 Peter chapter 1, picking up in verse 16. The apostle Peter writes, For we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when such a voice came to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And we heard this voice which came from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. Verse 19. And so we have the prophetic word confirmed which you do well to heed as a light that shines in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts knowing this first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. Last verse, verse 21. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Lord, again, just praying over these verses, we just realizing there's so much here to, to talk about, so much to look at. And with that, Lord, we would we would ask that there would be application for each one of us. We pray, Lord, that you would just stir up the, the gifts of the Spirit, Lord, the gift of prophecy, of speaking forth your word, and word of knowledge, word of wisdom, and just the wonderful gifts of your Spirit would just truly be in operation right now. And Lord, prepare right now that our hearts would be ready to receive your word being implanted deep into our hearts that we might receive all that you have. May we realize that this word that we have in front of us is not an ordinary book. It's it's you speaking. So Lord, speak to our hearts again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. So as a way of reminder, the theme of this epistle is knowing God or the knowledge of God, getting to know God. And I, that's truly my hopes as we go through this wonderful letter that we, we get to know the Lord better, that we get to know who he is better and we can understand who he is. And so that's the theme. There's much correction as we're gonna see in the next chapter, uh, uh, correcting false teachers, those that uh, teach heresy. So we're gonna be looking at that. But we've looked at the divine power of God. We've looked at uh, the promises of God. We looked at our participation how we're to add seven things to our faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, love, and, and so we're to add to, those, uh, to our faith these things. We looked at the benefit of being diligent in the things of the Lord. But as I mentioned earlier, uh, as we look at this text in front of us, we're gonna look at how this Bible is reliable. We can rely on it. I don't know if you've heard people say, you know, to you, oh, you can't trust the Bible. Have you heard anyone say that to you before? And I, you know what I typically do if I have a Bible with me? I'll say, well, show me why I can't trust it. And they're like, it's like they jump away, like, oh, no, 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 I don't. And I said, well, show me what we can't trust, because I don't, I don't know what we can't trust about it. Because we can trust the Bible. As we just read, it was inspired by holy men of God, inspired by the Holy Spirit. But, so let's look back at uh, verse 16, and it says, for we did not follow cunningly devised fables when we made known to you. So Peter's saying, uh, the things I'm talking to you about, they're not fables, they're not stories, they're not fairy tales, and um, many people believe that. I talked with a minister years ago when I was a baby Christian, and I was talking about the Bible, and this man was a minister of God, and he says, oh, you, you actually believe the Bible literally? And I said, yeah. And he goes, oh, no, those are fairy tales that are in the Bible. And, he, and I looked, I thought he was joking. I said, really? He goes, oh, yeah, those are just fairy tales. And I'm, those are just made-up stories. And I'm like, no, they're not. They're real. And the Apostle Peter's saying, these aren't fables. These aren't myths. The, the, when I made known to you the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's talking about the second coming here. And he's saying, you know, the power and the coming of Christ. So the things that I teach about the second coming and about the Lord's return, I'm not making this up. Matter of fact, he says that I was there on the Mount of Transfiguration. I heard the voice from heaven that, that said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So Peter was there. He says, I was an eyewitness. The words confirmed. The, the word of prophecy in, in Psalm 2 where it talks about kiss the son and then, that he's going to come and, and rule with a rod of iron at his second coming. And he says, I heard the voice from heaven. I, I saw Jesus transformed on the mountain before my very eyes. He's saying you can trust this word. And my first point that I'd like to make, the word's reliable, and you can trust it when it talks about end times and the coming of Christ and the rapture. You can trust this. This is where we find out, you know, what's going to happen in the last days. How many of you felt the earthquakes? <laughs> How can you not feel those? We were here, there's a wedding going on here on on Friday, and it was just so awesome. But I was standing outside, and my wife was inside, and the, and the place started shaking, you know, and the, the earthquake hit us, and we're like, whoa. And first thing I thought, I said, honey, get outside. Come on outside here. I want you to be with me. 
Because I figure if the building goes down, I, I, I want you to be with me. Or if, it, if something happens out there, I want you to die with me. I want to be with you. I want to be, because it'd be miserable. She just can't live without me. So I don't know how it would work. You know, just, <laughs> just a joke, just a joke. I can't live without her. That's for real. That's, that's for sure. But the Bible talks about increasing of earthquakes and especially in the time of tribulation. And so how do we know how to navigate things? How do we know what's true and what's not true? Well, we have the word of God that we can rely on when it talks about end time prophecy. Prophecy is important for us. I just want to say, you know, he's talking about the Mount of Transfiguration and that's in Matthew 17. But check out Matthew 16 at the end. Just before he brings them up to the mountain, before he's transfigured in front of their eyes, he says, Surely I say to you that there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man, that's Jesus, coming in his kingdom. And that would be a little confusing. It's like, well, there's some that are standing here. They're not going to taste death until they see the, the second coming. But what he was talking about is there's going to be three here. I'm going to take three of these guys up on the mountain and they're going to see me in all my glory, how I'm going to be at my second coming. And that's what he does. And Peter's saying, you can trust the word. And I I want to remind us of the story because I love this story. So in Matthew 17, it tells us this story. It says, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his, his brother, and led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was, can we say that together? Can you read that? Transfigured before them. His face shone like the, and his clothes became as white as the. Behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. So don't miss this. The, they, the, the three of them are there, the Peter, James, and John, and they're, they're looking at Jesus. All of a sudden, Jesus starts shining and glowing, and he's just, he's just radiant. And then all of a sudden, they see Moses and Elijah just standing there with Jesus, talking with Jesus. What would you do at that time? What, what would you do? Well, hopefully you wouldn't do what Peter did, because look what Peter did. Peter says, Lord, it's good for us to be here, right? Basically, And then he says, well, let us build three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He didn't know what to say. And you know why we know that he didn't know what to say and he was just kind of blurting out whatever came to his mind is because he gets rebuked from God the Father. Remember? So I'll remind you. So verse five, and while he was still speaking, so get this, Peter saying, let's build three tabernacles, one for you, one for Elijah, one for Moses. Let's, let's set up some tabernacles for you, God. Let's just do, let's just, you know, just bring this to another level. And then while he's still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them and suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son whom I am well pleased. And I love this part. Can we say that together? Hear him. I believe it's St. Peter, listen to him. Please be quiet. <laughs> and it goes on to say, when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces. That's what I would have done. And they were greatly afraid. But Jesus came and touched them and said, Arise, do not be afraid. And when they lifted up their eyes, they saw no one but Jesus only. And then he tells them when they left the mountain, he says, hey, he commands them, don't tell anyone this vision until after the Son of Man has risen from the dead. Fascinating. We can rely on the word of God. He said, this is my beloved son. This is the Messiah. This is the one that that is spoken about in in 
in the prophecies, in the Old Testament, in you know, Psalms, in, the, in Isaiah. This is the one. My wife and I, we were at a restaurant just recently, and we, the waiter was uh, from Iran, and so I asked him about his faith. I said, you know, so what is your, what kind of, I, know, I knew what it was, but I just was asking to make sure. I said, so what, you know, what is your faith? What is, what is? He says, well, he says, I'm really just a Muslim in name only. I says, really? I says, what does that mean? So just name only. He says, well, listen to this. Very interesting. He said, I'm very disappointed in our government in Iran. And he says, I can't follow people like that. What they're doing to their people and what they're doing and you know, the things that, you know, that they're, they're talking about. He says, we can't follow that. He's, listen to this. He says, as, ma- as a matter of fact, he says, my mother used to pray five times every day. And since all this has been going on with our government, she stopped praying. She's, she, she's not going to pray anymore because she knows there's something wrong with this religion. It's not real. And it opened up a huge door, and I started sharing Jesus. And then I started talking about end-time prophecy, Ezekiel 38. And his eyes were like saucers. He was just like, really? I never heard this stuff before. I said, yeah, well, check this out. Against all odds, the Bible predicted that, that Israel would become a nation again. And I went through the whole thing and how, you know, it's, you can go to Ezekiel and, you know, read the prophecy about this, and it's going to happen. I says, well, check this out. And then it even tells us what will happen once they're in the land. He's like, well, what's going to happen? And he's like tracking with this whole I says, well, it tells us your country, Iran's going to have a, an alliance with, with Russia, and they're going to have an alliance with Turkey. And, it's, and he's like, and I says, would you ever guess that Turkey would have an alliance? He's, he's like, no way. He says, There's, does it really say that? I said, yeah. And, and then he's just tracking through the whole thing. And then we brought him to the cross. And we talked about Jesus. And listen to this. He says, my mother-in-law's a devout Christian. He says, so, he says, is that Ezekiel 38? He goes, I'm going to look that up in in her Bible. I want to look this up. I want to read this. We know it's going to happen. Why? Because this book's reliable. I remember talking about, you know, reading through Ezekiel 38 and 39, talking about how Turkey is going to join, and I would scratch my head and think, how in the world is that going to happen? It's not, I mean, I was doubting. I'm like, I know it's going to happen, but how, are the, how is Turkey going to join these guys? There's no way. Who would think they would ever join these guys? But they did. Why? Because the prophecy is real. It's going to happen. We can rely on the word of God when it comes to end-time prophecy. I'm going to show you a timeline, which I believe, this is my eschatology. This is my understanding. So there's some I know that believe, I believe in a pre-trib rapture. So I believe that the church will be raptured before the tribulation period. That's my understanding of scripture. I know there's some, so you know, some believe in mid-trib, the middle of the tribulation that there's going to be a rapture. Some are post-trib. Some, do you believe, some don't even believe in a rapture. Did you know that? Do you know there's a local church that's in Huntington Beach right now? And that's what they're, they're teaching. They, listen, just recently the pastor got up and says, I know that you've been taught that there's a rapture and I just want to tell you that you've been lied to. There's no such thing as a rapture of the church. That's blasphemous. That's not. That's, you can rely on the word of God. We'll look at the scriptures that there's going to be a rapture of the church. So I believe it's going to be before the tribulation period. Others believe differently. So they can be wrong. That's okay. It's, uh, it's all right. But look, it, I just want to go through it. So I'm sure you guys already realize this. And again, there's different understanding. So we, there's still our brothers and sisters in Christ. We don't divide over the time of the rapture. That's okay. You know, that's, but, but this is my understanding. We're in the present church age. I believe, look, I think we're right about there. 
somewhere in there. I could probably, I wanted to move the arrow to go right on top of that, but I thought that's, you know, but I believe, I truly believe that with all my heart. I believe at any time Christ can just take his church to be with him. And I live in such a way where I I hope, I have a hope that Christ will come at any time. You know why? Because if there's a big problem that's going on in my life, I always think, is there any problem that's too big that the rapture won't take care of? So then there's the rapture. We're right now the present church age. That's what we're living in. Then there's going to be the rapture of the church. We're going to look at those verses. We're going to be caught up together with him in the air. Then there's going to be the time of tribulation. There's going to be three and a half years where it's going to be the beginning of sorrows, and it's going to be terrible on this earth. There's going to be great deception. We're going to look at that also. Then, as we're going to look at uh, the Antichrist, he will go into the temple of God. There will be a third temple built there in Jerusalem, That's what the Bible teaches us. He will walk into that temple and he will declare himself to be God. And the Jewish people will realize they've been duped and they're gonna flee and God is gonna protect them. And there's gonna be a great tribulation period. So it's a total of seven years of tribulation. Let me tell you this, you do not wanna be on this earth during that time of tribulation. You do not wanna be here. And then... After the tribulation period, after seven years, there'll be the return of Christ. That's the second coming of Jesus Christ. He'll put his foot on the Mount of Olives. The Mount of Olives will split open, and he'll rule and reign there in Jerusalem on on Mount Zion. So that'll be the millennial kingdom. He'll be reigning. We'll be, as believers in Jesus Christ, we'll be ruling and reigning with him in Christ. Is that going to be awesome? I don't even fully comprehend how that's going to happen. I'm just going to be happy to get into heaven. And then he tells us we're going to be like kings and priests. During the millennial kingdom, we'll rule and reign with him. Then there'll be a final judgment. And after the final judgment, there'll be those that will be cast out. Satan will be cast out into the lake of fire. All those that have not accepted Christ will be cast out into the lake of fire. After the... Those that have died already, they're in a holding place right now. They're going to be released, and they're going to be thrown into the lake of fire. You don't want to be part of that. And then there'll be the new heaven and new earth. And some might say, why a new heaven and a new earth? Well, I think maybe a little bit of this, my understanding is, is we'll be on a, a, an earth that Satan never touched. And we'll rule and reign with him forever. We'll be with him forever. And can I say it this way? And we'll live happily ever after. Ever. <laughs> In the book of Acts, Acts chapter one, verse eight, it says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. But then verse nine, if you look at verse nine there, it says, and when he, Jesus, had spoken these things, telling them that they're gonna be witnesses in Jerusalem and all in Judea, Samaria, he's talking as he spoke these things. While they watched him, it says he was taken up and a, can we say that together? A cloud received him out of their sight. So Jesus is telling them, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you're going to be witnesses of me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the other part. And as he's talking to them, he started, he he was lifted up into a cloud. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went, it says, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Two angels, I believe. Two angels are standing there. So they're, they're watching Jesus being taken up. Now there's two angels and they're like, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing into heaven? And this is what he's told them. He says, this, this same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven 
will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. He's coming back. The second coming. He's coming back. My wife and I, we were going to a, a store. She was getting prepared for, for the wonderful wedding that we had here. It was, so, it was so beautiful. But she had to buy some things. And we went to the store. And as we were walking up to the store, there was an old man standing in front of the store, in the, you know, starting to make his way look like to his car. He was in a walker. And he was just standing there. And he's shaking. And we didn't think he could even make it another two steps. We're like, well, wait. And we said, do you need help to your car? And he says, oh, no, no. Someone's pulling up to pick me up. We're like, oh, OK, that's better. Well, we started talking to this man. He's 95 years old, sharp as a tack, and he's Jewish. And we just right away told him, you know, we're taking a group to Israel. And we told him, you know, we love Israel, and God's not through with the nation of Israel. And he's like, he's looking at me like, who are you people? And why are you telling me this? And I said, God is not through with the nation of Israel. He still has a plan for you guys. And I started sharing prophecy with him and about Jesus and went to Isaiah 53 and Psalm 22. And literally, I'm not kidding you, his eyes started welling up and tears started coming out of his eyes. And he even mentioned, check it out, that the Messiah appeared to him, but he's not a believer yet. We talked with him for, I don't know, about an hour If it was up to him, we'd be standing in the parking lot still right now. I'm serious. I'm not just, I mean, we tried to leave. We said, okay. Then he's like, well, what about that? And he's like bringing up more. He's like, well, we got a lot to do. But, you know, but we were there for an hour. And he's like, so we're going to have a cup of coffee with him. We're going to sit down with him. And we're going to talk to him more about the Messiah, Jesus, his Savior. Yeah, amen. But we can rely on scripture when it comes to end times prophecy. And the good thing, we should know our end time prophecy. We should understand that Jesus is coming back a second time. We should understand the rapture of the church. And we should know these things. And we should be able to jot down where they are in the the Bible. And we should be able to, to show people these. Why? Because you know what? A lot of people are worried about what's going on. There's a lot of people that are, are fearful and afraid, and they, they don't understand what's, what's happening. They know that, that things are not right. And even people that I've been talking to that are not believers in Jesus Christ, they believe that end times are here, that they're living in a time of the end, and they, but they don't understand what's taking place. But my question to all of us, do we understand what's taking place? Do we know? I know I'm going through a lot of scripture, but this is good stuff. 2 Thessalonians 2.3, 2 Thessalonians 2.3, Paul the apostle writes to the church there in Thessalonica, he says, let no one deceive you by any means, for the day will not come unless the falling away comes first. That word falling away, is it, it's the, uh, the apostate, the, the rebellion, the, the people are going to walk away from the things of God, and they, they're not going to want the things of God. Have you been seeing that around you? I have. We have a friend of ours that supposedly we thought he was just a, a right-on believer. He was an assistant pastor at a church. He went to the school of ministry. He did, you name it, he did it. He was a, a brain box, and he, he just walked away. We've been seeing it all around us. as People just like, you know, walking away from church and stuff. I, I you know, that's, I'm not going to get into the whole deal, you know, once saved, always saved and all that. I, I believe if you're truly saved, if you're truly born again, no one can snatch you out of God's hand. But my question is, were they ever really truly born again? 
God's word is not only powerful, but it's very reliable. You can rely on it to know what our future holds. You can rely on it to navigate your very life in this dark world. You can rely on God's word to speak to you plainly and very simply. Listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick, an outreach of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. We'd like to extend an invitation to visit us here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Our address is 16450 Pacific Coast Highway in Huntington Beach, California, 92649. We're located in Peter's Landing Marina in Huntington Harbor. Our Sunday service times are 10 a.m. and 12 o'clock noon. Our Tuesday evening Bible study begins at 7 p.m. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.